Everyone starts from the same place, but only a few make it to the pros. Ever wonder how they did it? Well, here's how. This is the Pro Athlete Academy podcast, where athletes, coaches, and executives tell their stories on how they navigated their careers from youth sports to the pros, providing the decisions made, challenges overcome, and the methods used so that you will have the tools to reach your full potential. Welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. It's your host, Kevin. And this week, I am going to be introducing a new form of episode, which is going to be our Spotlight episodes. These episodes are going to be focused around introducing all of you to current day coaches, players, and parents who are navigating their careers in sports through high school prep and college on their quest to make it to the pros and also helping players to make it to the pros. So this week we have Ben Devlin, who is the head lacrosse coach at Oliver Ames High School in Easton, Massachusetts. And we go through his coaching philosophy, how he approaches work and balancing time, and also had his view on as building culture within a team. The purpose of the Spotlight series is to highlight coaches who are working and doing a great job for their local high schools, um, travel teams, whatever it may be, but are influencing and helping the next generation of athletes come up and navigate their way to careers and also into life after sports, including into having coaches. We're also going to be having some players who are also working on navigating the current day and parents and what their view is when they're looking at this. The point of having these episodes is we get a lot of value out of the professionals who are telling their stories. We get a lot of value out of the various coaches who are looking back from their experiences in sports, but you can also get a lot of value out of the people who are currently going through it. So where a professional might be giving advice from what they see that was 10 years ago, you're getting real-time information of things that are happening now. We can use that to develop trends and also give value to all of you as to what to do next and help you with your decision-making, your training, and approach to the game. So I hope you guys enjoy. I've been working with Ben for the last couple months, volunteering up with the team. Um, he's got a great program going. He's built a really good culture and has had been seeing a lot of success in the high school level. So here's my interview with Ben Devlin. Enjoy. When you started, if you look back over the coaching career, what was your biggest challenge that you faced as a coach? And kind of how did you overcome that challenge? Um, I mean, I would say that it's pretty timely because I think it's probably been this year. Um, <laughs> the whole pandemic thing um you know i've been fortunate not to have any huge issues uh with coaching in the past but i, I think this year has been really challenging um and it's been a couple different waves I, i'd say that the first was when the season was delayed um and you know just trying to figure out a way to keep the kids motivated and keep them kind of working towards the goal of starting this the season um so, you know, thankfully the MIA let us kind of send out workouts and stuff like that. So I, I've been sending them workouts and uh, most of them were doing them. Um, I'd say the second phase of that came with the cancellation of the season. Yep. Um, and the biggest challenge of that is trying to keep their spirits up. Um, obviously, you know, seniors kind of careers ended right there, uh, their high school careers at least, and, you know, probably a good chunk of them we'll never play a competitive lacrosse game again. Yeah. Um, so, you know, everything kind of ended quickly. Um, so trying to keep their spirits up, 
um, which I'd say the most challenging part of that is, you know, my spirits weren't up at the time. So absolutely, um, I don't think anybody's were. No. Um, so I, I think, you know, trying to keep your team's spirits up while you're kind of down and not letting them kind of see that, um, you know, obviously they, they could see that I was disappointed, but trying to kind of find a positive out of, out of what was happening. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's probably been my biggest challenge so far as a coach is, is trying to kind of balance that um, disappointment I had and, you know, the expectations of the season with all of a sudden the season just being over and, and not having any control over when that ends, which, you know, as you know, you know, as an athlete, you usually have some sort of control on when your season ends, Yeah. Um, whether it be just keep winning games or, or this or that, but um, not having any control over when that season ends and never stepping on the field um, was really kind of devastating. So, yeah. And even like, even when your season does end, if you think about playoffs, NCAAs, whatever it may be, even when you do lose that last game, it's a very quick end and you're kind of stand, sitting on the field for a little bit, just right. like yeah. what's going on. I, I couldn't even imagine what some of those seniors were thinking when, when the decision came down that their season's not going to be even had anymore. So right. yeah, especially you kind of sit at your home alone too, right? You're not even like, you can't even talk to anyone, right? Season ends on the field. At least you can kind of commiserate with your, with your, you know, teammates and stuff like that. They, you find out your season ends here and you, you're sitting in your basement, you know, playing video games or something like that. And you're all alone. So it made it even tougher. So. Yeah, so how how do you think kind of being a coach um, that one thing that you hit on was keeping them up when your spirits were down? And even if we just turn that away from uh, that conversation, just look at it from a coach's perspective in game, how important is it to make sure that you're calm, cool, and collected even when you're not potentially in a high-intensity game? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the way I approach it is um, there's always – room for improvement um so if you're playing a team that like you said is not high intensity and, and you, you think you should win comfortably um you got to kind of find something in that team or you know in your next game at least to kind of keep working on we've run into that a couple of times you know probably more than we should have the last couple of years where you know you're playing a team that's that's not as competitive as you are and all of a sudden it's you know a a 12, 13 goal halftime lead. And um, you don't want to, you know, kind of pull your foot completely off the accelerator and, and no. get into bad habits. Um, but you also don't want to embarrass teams either. So we usually try to find a way to kind of, you know, try to find a kid who hasn't scored or something like that yeah. and try to work to get him a goal. Um, work on our, you know, possession, um, keeping possession of the ball or, know moving the ball around and stuff like that um so you know you're always trying to find some something to work on um it could be you know we have to get better for the next game because we're playing one of the top teams in the league next game and, and the way we're playing right now isn't going to work there and you know let's work on you know st stuff that we may not be doing necessarily in games but we have in our back pocket to you know like yeah. zone defense or something like that where we normally play man or um just you know trying to find things to, to like you said keep them motivated within a game that may not require that motivation yeah it's like trying to avoid that trap game before the big one right right exactly that's tough so and you said like zone defense what other things more so would you expect from like individual players in that time so you're up you're kind of getting up and then you have kind of your star players or anything like that um what do you kind of expect from them in those situations 
I mean, I've been lucky with the group I've had that, um, you know, they're, they're not selfish players, so they're not looking to kind of pad stats all the time. Um, you could have kids like that in a game where it gets ugly quick and then then you're pulling them out of the game, you know, really early and stuff like that. Um, I think my ki the kids we've had um, have been very unselfish and they've really worked at, you know, like I said, finding that kid who may have, have not scored a varsity goal or something like that and trying yeah. to get him a goal. Um, you know, we, we had a game last year where kid playing his first varsity game ever. It was his first year playing lacrosse. We dressed him for a game. Um, and we were up big and, you know, had him in for most of the second half and he wound up getting a hat trick in his first nice. game. Um, but it was, you know, it, it was because the kids were looking to feed him and, and trying to get him the ball, which is, which is nice to see. And I mean, kind of looking at it from looking for more of that character, like the character to come out in the kids in those times, you know, what right, exactly, yeah. you want to see that leadership quality and kind of what that really determines the culture of your team. Exactly. And the times where things kind of get a little bit loose. Right. That's good. So, all right, let's transition um, into a little bit of your background in coaching, mm -hmm. kind of how you got into it. And then we're going to lead into more of a little bit of tips and tricks that you've accumulated over the years to kind of help out the first time coach or some players see things in a little bit of different light. So just a little bit of your background. What's your coaching story? Why'd you get involved? Where'd you start? We can start actually, there. Yeah, it was actually kind of by accident. Um, I had gotten laid off from a job about probably 18, 19 years ago now. Um, and I was substitute teaching uh, while I was laid off at my, uh, at my high school. Um, and the athletic director, who was one of my teachers uh, while I went to that school, um, happened to run into me and asked me if I was interested in doing any coaching. Um, and the spring, the spring season was probably starting in a week. Um, said he needed a JV lacrosse coach. Um, I had never coached J lacrosse at all. So, you know, I kind of was a little hesitant at first. And, um, but, you know, he kind of called me back a couple of days later and said he was pretty desperate and needed one because the season was starting. Um, I got really lucky uh, because a kid on my team, uh, his father had been the BC High head coach for numerous years um, and had been like a two time Boston Globe coach of the year. And, and that type of thing. So my first year, basically he coached the team and I kind of sat back and I was the head coach, head JV coach, but I, I kind of sat back and learned a lot um, from him. Um, so, you know, I just kind of kept kind of learning how to coach along the way. Um, and I lucked out because I, I think his second son was two years later. So he came back and helped me again two years after that. So I, uh, you know, invaluable source of information and learning a lot of things about the game and how to coach. Um, I think, you know, from there, I, I coached um, at CM for, I think it was 13 years, um, just on the JV level. I didn't commit to varsity um, yeah. just because of work. Um, the time commitment was just a little too much at the time. Um, it got to the point where I was, you know, living in Easton, working in Norwell and coaching in West Roxbury at CM and it just became too much. So I actually stepped down at CM, um, latched on at OA cause we had played them a couple of times. So I knew the coach. Um, so volunteer assistant coach for a couple of years at OA, um, that coach retired. Um, they hired a new coach who offered me the JV job. Um, I took it, 
um, he left and I took the varsity job there. So I've been you know, the varsity coach for a couple of years, two, two full years. This would have been three. Uh, at nice. <clears throat> awesome. So if you look back and kind of jumping into that first job, you said that it was, you never coached lacrosse before. Right. What was your approach? Did you have like imposter syndrome? How did you approach that first year? Um, so did as much research as I could um, online and stuff first. Um, and I would say after practice every day, I would spend at least an hour um, with the guy who was helping me out, um, just going over different things. Um, you know, simple things of, you know, what, what drills he used and, um, you know, different skills we should, you know, be working on and that type of thing. Um, so you know, it, was, it was long days, but, um, you know, it's kind of how I attacked it. I tried to learn as much as, as possible from a, a, you know, smarter person or, you know, better coach than I was at the time. Um, tried to, you know, pull as much information out of, out of him as I could. What was the biggest piece that you think you learned in that first couple of years? Um, I'd say, and I, you know, I still kind of focus on it now, especially with younger groups, uh, not as much on the varsity level, but. Um, and a lot of the other guys. And I think yeah. as you, the more you have that, the more creative you actually become. Right. So you talked about the balance and you're having um, a very wide gap because you might have kids who are committed to the sport at high school. You also have kids coming in and out. So when you approach practice and you want to get that fundamental work, but also you got a game coming up, where do you find that balance? Um, so I guess we always, like I said, we, we start every practice with wall ball and, and, um, and line drills and things like that. We, we kind of have a set first, half hour to 45 minutes or so of practice that's just basically all fundamentals that you know we'll start to get the blood flowing with like three v2s um to start every practice and then make a little competition between the offense and the defense and you know lose has to do push-ups type of thing um yeah. but um then we kind of figure tailor it to who we're playing i guess coming up um you know i think one thing we do we have done the last couple of years is is a lot of scouting um on teams. Um, I tend to be, you know, I'm in the finance world uh, for my real job. So I tend to be very analytical with things. So yeah. um, I try to get as much information on teams as I can, um, you know, from teams who have played them before, or, you know, even reading like local newspaper articles on, on, on the team and trying to figure out their best players and looking up rosters and find their numbers. So, um, you know, I, I think, we try to tailor our preparation for each team we play. Yeah. Um, sometimes you, you just can't find information on a team and no one's played them and all that kind of stuff. So you go in a little blind, but um, you know, for the most part, I, I think our, you could ask the kids who've played for me the last couple of years that they haven't gone into many games, not knowing the tendencies of the, the other team's best players, um, yeah. you know, whether it be, you know, number five has 50 goals this year and he, he's, you know, all right. Or, you know, so that they kind of have an idea of who to, how, they, how they're going to play them. So we kind of tailor our practices based on that. We may practice things where we know a team's going to shut off our best attackmen. So, you know, we'll, we'll say, all right, you know, we're, I think we're skilled enough and deep enough where we can play five on five with you. So if you're going to shut off our best attack and we're going to pull them out of the play. 
and go five yeah. on five and create some space. Um, so um, I think that's where the, you know, the balance is that you're always working on those fundamentals, but you, you still want to, you know, figure out your upcoming game and, and how you have to prepare for that. And, you know, institute a zone for a team who doesn't have great outside shooters or, or something along those lines. But, um, you know, we always try to tailor that to, to the team we have coming up. Yeah. So you to kind of keep and start off the fundamentals is kind of more of your warm up. So maybe as you're working into that strategic and game planning phase, like you do a man up and down, mm-hmm. you got the guys who say third or fourth string middies, they're at least getting their stick work in, but then you're able to transition over to, actual what you want so the top guys aren't just thrown off the wall all day right right yeah yeah i mean what we do a lot at practice um is we play a, we just play a lot of lacrosse like we don't really we don't have a ton of plays so we aren't beating plays into the ground uh we just kind of run an offense yep. um so you know once we've kind of worked our offense and everyone knows basically the, the the premise of the office and off, offense and where to go um we just play a lot of lacrosse so we'll play six on six a lot we'll play uh, a lot of unsettled situations because i you know i find that lacrosse you know lacrosse is so on uns- an unsettled sport um that i want them to know to to be practicing in, in a situation that they're going to see in game so it's you know you're not always going to be six on six and a, a settled half field offense and, and that type of thing. So, we, you know, we do a lot of unsettled situations where we have a drill called add one, where, you know, we start a start as a three on two and every few seconds I'll yell out add an offense and it becomes a four on two or, yep. you know, add a defense, it becomes a, you know, four on three, or we might have more defense. So they, the defense now needs to double the ball. Um, so, you know, it kind of gets them used to talking on defense and, you know, whether they're in a zone, man to man, or a double on the ball, um, we just kind of try to create game situations in practice that uh, will prepare them for the for for a game itself. Yeah, so you're kind of trying to create a, a, a lacrosse player, not necessarily right. a midi attack or a defenseman. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know we we bounce back and forth. Our midis and an attack bounce back and forth. You know, two of our starting attack last year played probably at least a third of the season as a midi. Um, and we tend to, we sometimes will rest a midi on attack, right? Like, so he's not yep. going back on D he can kind of catch a breath, but stay on the field on attack and, and switch up and that type of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I, we, we tend to make sure they all know what to do wherever they are. So based on that, and I think it's a great approach, right? You want, look, you want people who can. Uh, plug and play kind of wherever you need them especially if you're an attackman and you can play on the defensive side you can kind of start understanding what it means to be a defenseman so then you can use that to your advantage on the other end of the field yeah what would um what are some things that from a coach heading into the season what would you be expecting of your players to have already done in order so that they can hit the ground running and get into the schemes I would say the biggest thing is conditioning. Um, I, I really don't want to spend my first week of practice getting kids in shape. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I always say that your top schools in the, in the state jump right into working on their offense and, and defense and stuff like that. They aren't um, spending the first week or two 
getting into shape. They're not spending the work first week or two, you know, re-getting their stick skills back because they haven't touched a stick since the previous June. Um, you know, I'd expect them to come ready as if we've been playing lacrosse for a couple of weeks already. Um, you know, the conditioning thing's the biggest. It drives me crazy, you know, when you show up and ask them to run a mile the first day and they're, they get, you know, one lap in and they're all gassed. <laughs> they're sucking wind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so uh, the conditioning and, and just be prepared to go. Um, you know, we don't have the luxury of, of spring training uh, like yeah. the baseball team does. So usually we start up games, you know, probably two weeks after we start our first practice and there's just not enough time to, to get into shape and then install all you want to install in those two no. weeks. How much of those two weeks that you get or however long you get before that game, kind of how much, how critical is that? Because I'm assuming that, I mean, you only have about probably what, 10, 15 games. So if you get off to that slow start, you're digging yourself a hole. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Your season's usually about 18 games and you know, okay. you got to go, you got to win at least nine to make the tournament. Um, so you drop a couple early that you're supposed to have. Um, and you know, it, it puts you in a hole. We have, we play in a real tough conference. Um, so you've got a lot of tough conference games right off the bat. Um, so if you're dropping a game that, you know, as, as a coach, you try to schedule a couple games early that, you know, you, you think you can win. Yep. So if you drop one of those that you're counting on winning, it, it becomes a problem because uh, now you got to beat a team that maybe you didn't expect to beat. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's a short time. So we start every, every year that same way where, you know, there's no time to, to start slow. Um, you know, this year when they shortened the season originally, when they delayed it and shortened it, we were down to like a, I think a 12 game season or something like that. And, you know, playing that conference with, in a 12 game season, you, you can't afford to lose more than six games and all of a sudden, you know, yeah, not, not in the tournament. And, um, you know, that's one of the things I was kind of telling them during those couple of weeks where we were allowed to send them workouts. I'm like, there's no, no time for a, sh a slow start here this year. You know, yeah, absolutely. You're gonna hit the ground running and you, you start slow. You're going to be watching the tournament from, from home in, in early June. So that goes back to what you're saying. That's why you don't want to be spending time gassing people. You want to make sure, I mean, there's a little bit of conditioning, but you want yeah. to get your conditioning through the practice and implementing, like you said, just playing lacrosse. Right. Right. Yep. So maybe you're not in lacrosse shape too much, but at least you're in shape shape. Right. Right. Yeah. You, um, you know, the lacrosse shape happens. It'll, it'll come as you, as you, as we, you know, scrimmage and, and practice and play six v six and, and practices and stuff like that. It's, it's, being able to run up and down the field a couple times without, <laughs> without being gassed. It's the important thing. Yeah. So in those, and what would you say if you had one thing that you wanted to implement within those two weeks, or if you're talking to a coach that you want to get in there, what would it be before that first game? Um, I think, I think defense would be my first. Um, okay. And I, I might be saying that only because I've had a really good offense the last couple of years. So I, I, I kind of, I, I trust that they'll be ready and I know those kids a lot of those kids play club and stuff so I know they've been playing um but also I think defense you know if you can prevent a team from scoring you you get a chance um if, if you can't stop a team from scoring it almost doesn't matter how many goals you can put up 
Um, yeah. You know, but if you can, if you can kind of prevent a team from scoring and you can at least be in a game and give yourself a chance to win, um, you know, you may be struggling offensively for a little while to start things off, but, you know, if you're holding the team to seven or eight goals, um, you, you've at least given yourself a chance. If you're giving up 16 and your offense is struggling a little, you, you're done. You, there's no chance at all. Um, so I think having a defense that's, that's ready to play right off the bat is, is important. When you're looking at defense and it's looking at getting in your system so that everybody's working as that one unit, mm -hmm. right? And then letting, because on the offensive side, you can depend on that creativity, right? right? You can depend on somebody making a play, but on that defensive end, it's looking more towards, right? If someone gets, someone goes rogue on me, I'm in but, trouble. Yeah, exactly. I mean, defense, I think, requires more, um, I guess, communication, uh, knowing where the other guy is, um, you know, where your teammate's going to be, and knowing that you have, um, you know, a slide that knows when he's supposed to slide. Um, if you get a guy who has no idea when he's supposed to slide and you're, you're def lacrosse is an offensive sport. So, right. The, the, I always tell my guys that, that like, you're going to get beat here and there. Yeah. Um, but you know, you got to make that slide's got to go at some point. Like if you get a kid who has no idea how to slide, then if your best defenseman in the world gets beat, you know, it's going to be a goal. Yeah. Um, so you kind of need that communication and knowing when to go and when not to go. And, um, you know, I think defense, defensemen tend to play a lot better when they have the confidence that someone behind them knows what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they can play a little aggressive and, um, and, and trust the fact that the system's going to work and, and the guy behind them's got his back if, if he gets beaten. And that guy's got to know that if I slide, the, the two slides going to slide and cover my guy and I'm not going to look like, you know, the guy who made the mistake by because my guy scored. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, you made a great point when you were talking or just a little earlier too is like you can your offense can get going, but also if your defense is solid and you're stopping the play, that gives a lot of confidence on the opposite opposite side of the field. Right. Then they're playing loose. Now it's like, all right, if I don't score here, we're we're in trouble. Right. But now it's like, you know what, if I don't score, at least I know I'm going to get the ball back. Right. There's not a pressure to score every time you touch the ball if, if you know your defense is going to be making a couple stops. Absolutely. So if you're heading in, so like you just talk in defense, and we'll just we'll dig in a little bit here for a second just because as a coach, what, what are you looking at? How are you implementing like a slide? So you get – a wrestler who's coming over who's never played the game before might have good footwork. How do you teach them to be able to anticipate that slide and get into a defensive, especially if you're going to be depending on them to play? Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it, you're hoping for athletes, right? A, a kid who's played basketball or, or something like that who, who understands like a team defense. Um, and we've always, you know, our, our thing, we've always slid adjacent. We played man to man and we've slid adjacent. Um, I don't necessarily like sliding from the X because if that second slide's not there, then you get a guy standing wide open in front of the net. Um, yeah. But uh, I think, um, you know, just 
learning when to go. Um, I think it's defense, like I said, there's a lot of communication. Um, it's, it's, it's tough for someone, I guess, brand new, just because they, they don't have the confidence to talk as much. That's a good um, point. Um, I think that's the tough part of, of having putting someone brand new out there. Um, you know, they, they're kids, they don't want to look like idiots. So if they're yelling, if they're yelling something that they, they're not super confident is right, they're thinking they're going to look like an idiot. Absolutely. So it, it's kind of making sure they know when to go. I, I always say I'd rather have a mistake of aggression rather than a, a mistake of, you know, passiveness. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I kind of always teach it. If you think you should go, go and don't go half, like commit to it and, and go. I'd rather have you like slide way too early um, and not when you're supposed to than have you stand, have you stand in there covering a guy who's not a threat while someone walks in and scores. Yeah, um, and if you get beat in that situation, at least you're going to be forcing them to make a play. Right. Yeah. Like I always say like the more you can force a team to make, you know, a couple passes. Yep. Better your chances. Like walking in and shooting and scoring is much more of a chance of you scoring there than you having to make a pass to someone and them catching it and then shooting it and scoring it. Right. It, it, there's more variables involved. So the more passes you can force the, those guys to make the, the better, better chance you have of preventing a goal. Um, but yeah, I, I think going back to the original question, I, I think it, it's building confidence in them and, and kind of working with them to, to get them to, to buy in and, and believe that they know what, what they're doing. Um, and, and it always helps when you have a couple veteran players out there yep. kind of teach it on the fly. Um, Cause there, once you, once you start up games, you know, after, if a kid makes a mistake after a goal, I can yell out onto the field and, but half the time they can't hear me. It's too windy or they're at the other end of the field or something like that. Yep. If you have a couple veteran defensemen out there with them who can talk to them, it, it definitely makes it, you know, much easier and, and the kind of flattens that learning curve, I guess. Yeah. How much is in a lot of the common themes, especially with the high school kids is that we just talked about confidence um, before like the veteran players and it's really building that program. So how much does being able to instill a program and a culture that makes that possible for those kids to jump in and get right into it? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, Culture is huge, I think. I, I think that's one thing that uh, at OA we've done a, a pretty good job of, of building. Um, uh, I, I think the, the kids all get along. Um, you know, they're kids, so they're going to have their disagreements during a game because someone slid when they shouldn't have, right? Absolutely. Um, but I've, ne I've never seen those, those kids in, in the couple of years I've been there, like, leave the day mad at each other or mad at anybody it, it's always something might be said in the in the spirit of competition but usually it, there's an apology before they they walk off the field or before they leave the locker room that night um i, I think we've built a real kind of family atmosphere family attitude i guess at oa um you know i, I think everyone kind of cares about not just what's happening on the field, but what's happening off the field. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to, to develop that. Cause I just think that 
they'll play harder uh, for each other, for their coaches, if they believe that, you know, you would do that for them. Like if, if those kids believe that I have their back, then they're going to have my back and they're going to work a little harder. If they believe that all their teammates are on the same page and pulling on the same end of the rope, they're going to work a little harder. Um, so, you know, the, the, the older kids, the veteran kids um, have done a great job the last couple of years of kind of welcoming um, the new kids, you know, yeah. the younger kids into the program, working with them, uh, working closely with them to, you know, kind of get them on board. Um, and I think they've done a great job with that. Um, and and it, a lot of it, you know, it stems from the players. I, I've, I've said the, the best thing, my best, um, I guess, quality so far at OA mm-hmm. has, been, has been timing. Um, I got there at a time where there was a great group of kids and, and talented kids. Um, and it's made it pretty, you know, relatively easy to, to coach them um, because they've, they're smart kids. They, they know the game, but they know how the culture um, translates onto the, onto the success on the field as well, I think. Yeah. So, so as you, and then you think about, I mean, maybe it's, I mean, you come in from a timing standpoint. I know you've had, I mean, the previous experiences with JVs, and I'm sure you've had with your kids growing up, you've seen different types of coaches. How much do you think the culture is dictated from the coach or do you in, in general, not just in the situation that you're in right now? Um, I think a lot of it is, um, but you also need the right kids to, to do it, yeah. right? It's not like you can um, – I think there's a lot of different coaching styles, and, and I'll be the first to admit that my coaching style has changed a lot in the past 18 years. Um, you know, I, I was kind of – I think it's partly due to the, the fact that the kids have changed a lot in the last 18 years. Absolutely. I think you have can't to just go yelling at people anymore. Right, exactly. You know, I, I remember back when I first started at CM, it was like those kids – you know, spent probably half of every practice running laps because, you know, they, it, it was just more hard nose, more yelling. Um, yeah. Maybe not even yelling, but just, I was never really a yeller or, or anything like that. But um, I always told them, you know, you'll know I'm mad at you if you find yourself running a lot of laps. Yeah. More of an aggressive style. Right. It's just the way right. it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And I think, I think over the, years I've adapted that style because I don't think you can coach every kid the same way even Um, I used to kind of follow that mentality of um, everybody gets coached the the same way Um, but I think think now I've adapted to like you got to figure out what kids need kind of a kick in the butt and what kids need a pat in the back right Um, there's there's a little bit of a difference in how kids respond Um, you know some of them some of them need to be pushed hard. Like some of them need to, you know, not necessarily yelled at. And I would never, I guess that's the other thing. I, I never try to single out a kid in front of anybody else. If, if someone needs that kick in the butt, I usually kind of do it alone, um, yeah. you know, pull them aside at some point and, and, and tell them, um, I don't, you know, I don't want to embarrass a kid by yelling at him in front of his friends and all that kind of stuff. Um, but there's other kids who, who just don't respond to, you know, the, the tough love type of thing. It, it's more, they need the, you know, the pat in the back, you know, is everything all right? And you know, 
yeah that type of thing so um how do you and that that's tough because especially if I mean, you got a season, really. Right. Like you said, you got 18 games. You got new kids coming out. You got kids you've known for a while. How tough is it to get that read on a player that quickly? Um, I don't think it's as tough. It, it probably takes a little, you know, a little bit of time, but I don't think it's as tough as – I think you can pick up pretty quick. Like, you can see how kids respond pretty quickly. Um, yeah. You know, if if you're – kind of rough on a kid and he, he kind of shuts down and obviously that's the wrong approach to take. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, I think, it, I think it's one of those things where you, you get a quick read um, and, and maybe the kid is different at different times too, right? Like sometimes you may need that pat in the back, but sometimes you may need a kick in the butt too. It's yeah. um, it could vary from day to day. Um, that's the thing that I, I find kind of interesting lately with, 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 the high school athletes is, you know, you almost need to read them on a day-to-day basis because there's so much, they have way more going on in their lives than, you know, I had when I was in high school, uh, you know. More going on than I do right now. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, anything could be going on with them as far as, you know, with all the social social media pressures and it's crazy um, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's almost like before every practice and every game, like, I, I'm usually the first one at the locker room and like I'll stand outside the locker room door and kind of greet them as they come in every day. Yeah. And you can usually get a vibe on a kid. Like as soon as he's walking in, um, you know, like some days might be in a great mood and, you know, Hey coach and come over and give you a handshake. Other days he's got his head down just kind of a quick gruff, you know, Hey, just walk by you. So, you know, something went on that day or something like that. So, um, you know, I try to kind of get a vibe on these kids every day. Yeah, um, that's good. But, uh, you know, like I said, I I coach them and treat them, not treat them, but I guess I coach them a little differently. But I expect the same out of all of them. I expect the same results. I expect hard work. I expect them to be, you know, um, do what we, we've talked about at practice. I expect them to be like, you know, good kids on and off the field. And, and it's just a matter of how to get that out of them, I guess, is, is kind of the, the balancing act. Yeah, so it's it's sort of a mixture of trial by like trial by error, just trying yeah. to figure it out. But also, I think a huge thing there is just being not just the coach, but being kind of the person that at least is interested in who they are as people, not just as right. cross players. Right. Yeah. So, and that's the other thing too. Like, you know, I always try to talk to them about other stuff too. Like, you know, we get a lot of hockey players, so you know we'll talk about how the hockey season went, or you know yep. if they watched the Bruins game last night, or you know whatever it is, um, you know pulling them aside and you know what what do you seniors at least you know what your plans for next year? We you, you know what are you looking at and um, you know that type of thing. I, I like you said they're, they're they're individuals, they're they're kids. Lacrosse is you know a sport that you know chances are none of the kids you have a coach are going to go pro, right? Yeah, um, slim chance. So, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, if if they're lucky, then, you know, maybe they play a little in college or, or something like that. But, um, you know, first and foremost, they're, they're, they're kids, you know, still. And, you know, sometimes it's tough to, to realize that, but um, they're still, you know, anywhere from, what, 14, 15, 16, 17, you know, in that range, um, kids who who – you know, uh, I've got 
two kids who, and you know that they can be fragile at times, right? It's, yep. you know, you got to kind of walk that fine line of, of trying to get the best out of them, but also, you know, not, not uh, crush their spirits and, 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 you know, realize that they, they have a life off the lacrosse field. Absolutely. And I just had my second, so I'm still into like looking up all of the dad stuff and quotes and everything else. And one of the things that pops up a lot when, when I'm ta- when we're talking or listening is, is a big thing of now just like being a father has changed and it, since in it, over the last 18 years, right. I'm assuming, but yeah. um, the quote is without connection, there's no influence. So if you don't have like your build, like every time you're standing outside of that locker room, you're building some sort of connection, whether it's, Hey, what's up? And it's a positive one, or you're right. getting a read off of that negative. Right. And that seems to allow you to get that influence over them as well. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of the, the hope. And, you know, I, I've always said that, you know, my goal as a coach and I think my, my job as a coach is not necessarily to, to win games. It's, it's to prepare them to win games. And, and, a big portion of that is is how to deal with adversity and how, and how to deal with things um, in real life, right? Rather than just on the lacrosse field. So um, I, I always try to like, you know, focus anything we're teaching on lacrosse that can kind of translate out onto the lacrosse field, right? Like, you know, I, my big thing is I always ask them to give a hundred percent, you know, when they're, when they're playing lacrosse, but it's not just while you're playing lacrosse, right? If you're going to go, you know, work at some point, all these kids are going to get a job, right. And, you know, give a hundred percent of work, you know, no sense in, in showing up if you're only given a half an effort, um, you know, simple things like that, like things that they can kind of take off the lacrosse field. And cause like we said, you know, they're not, they're not going to make, you know, they're not signing a $400 million contract somewhere to, to play lacrosse professionally. So you got to prepare them for, for life outside of it. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's tough to, when you're just in high school in general, and I think that's, that's huge that if you're able to build that connection that you'll, you'll be able to have it. And I think players can see it when it's not genuine and when it's only, if you're only focused on the lacrosse field, I think it can backfire a lot. I know from experiences of my own, when you're looking at just wins or losses, or even say in like the real world, right? <laughs> your job, if your boss is only looking at the bottom line and your numbers that you're hitting, right? I mean, you're not going to work as hard for them. But right. if they're taking the time every morning to hang out, see how you're doing, asking the questions and actually care, then you're going to step it up for that person a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah. So in talking, and this is kind of a good transition into this next into this next topic. You're putting a lot of time into the lacrosse team, right. putting a lot of time into planning, game prep, and we just talked for this whole first I don't know half hour or so on that. Mm-hmm. So now it comes in. Now you're balancing because now you're not just a lacrosse coach. You got a full time job. You're got your own family. Where does that balance even begin? Yeah, it's tough. Um... You know, my wife's kind of the lacrosse widow uh, in the spring, um, but uh, you know it, it's. I guess the challenge is is finding a job that 
allows the flexibility to do it first and foremost. Um, you know, I've been lucky enough that, that I've, I've had that. Um, you know, I started a new job about 12 years ago. I think I've been at this company for about 12 years. Um, yeah. my, my first year or two there, um, I didn't have that flexibility. So that's when I kind of took a, a couple of years off from coaching. Um, but I think, you know, I, I kind of went back and asked if, if it was a possibility after a couple of years there. Um, and I think they were convinced that they, they trusted, you know, that I'd get my work done. And, um, so, you know, what I do is I year round, not just during lacrosse season, I actually usually start work at about six in the morning. Um, during non lacrosse season, I work until, you know, four, four thirty somewhere in that ballpark. Um, so, you know, I'm giving them 10, 10 and a half hours every day, you know, um, during the, during the year. Now during lacrosse season, it becomes a little dicier. Um, I usually leave around three, three thirty to get to practice. Yeah. Um, so a little earlier, if we have a game, um, it's earlier than that. Like a lot of times we were on a bus at two forty-five, so I'm leaving work around two, two fifteen, um, to get the bus to, to a game. Um, so the, there's, there's definitely some challenges there. Um, it usually requires me, you know, after the game coming home and, you know, logging back in and doing a little work and at least answering some emails and, and that type of thing, um, to get, to kind of get that stuff done. Um, so, and then, like you said, you know, family as well. So, yeah. you know, two daughters who've done plays and dance and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So like trying to juggle on that, um, I don't really sleep a lot in the spring, um, <laughs> you know, kind of make up for it the rest of the year, I guess. But, uh, I, I you know, I've, I've never been someone who's required a ton of sleep. So, yeah. um, so I'm lucky that way. So I kind of function on, you know, five, six hours a night usually. Um, so it, it is tough. I mean, it, it's something, you know, it's something, and I think it's the key to coaching. It's something you got to love doing. Um, yeah. Because that was going to be the next question. Yeah. Cause you, I mean, you really have to like, you have to make sacrifices. So there's a lot of sacrifices that, that get made. You know, I, I kind of, I used to, I, I had it as an excuse until this year when there was no season, but my yard looks like a, you know, bomb went off and it half the, half the time because <laughs> um, I don't, necessarily have time to do a ton of yard work in the spring where you need to kind of plant grass and, and get out there and water and stuff like that. Um, yeah. You know, so um, this, like I said, you know, you just have to, have to kind of pick and choose and, and make some sacrifices. And um, it's, it's a challenge, um, you know, but like I said, you know, I, I wouldn't do it if I, if I didn't love it. Cause you know, the, the high school, you're not getting rich as a high school lacrosse coach. So yeah. it's, it's not necessarily for the, it's not for the paycheck. That's for sure. It's, it's more for um, the fact that you love being on that field and, and you love working with those kids and, and that type of thing. So. And, and as you go from kind of wearing different hats and, and I think the passion is huge. I mean, just working with you guys over the, over the, the winter, you can definitely see it and you can see it in the kids and, and the work that you and, and your coaches are putting in is noticed as soon as like, someone like myself coming in from the outside and, and that work shows through. So just before the end of this one to get that in, but it, you, you're getting from work to the field to then 
dance recital potentially after right yep. then you're going to bed what, how, i don't know if it, if it's even how or where would you, and it, i don't know if, again it's like how where what how i guess it's how so how do you keep that from bleeding into each other and if it does is there some way to reel it back in um like you have a bad I mean, day at the office and then you yeah. show up to the, the field <laughs> uh, yeah. you want to... um, i try i mean I, I will say that i i think the the brunt of it is probably on my family because I, I think i've done a pretty good job of of compartmentalizing between work and lacrosse yeah and those separate as much as possible like i you know i, I don't try to let what's happened on the lacrosse field affect work or what about affect what's happening at lacrosse but you know i gotta give my my family credit because i'm probably a miserable person a lot when it comes to like you know if we've lost a couple games or you know things aren't going well on the lacrosse field um i i remember two years ago when i first took over at oa um i think we we had started really slow like you know it was a new 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 offense it was a you know we were doing a lot of new things we started the season with a, a, a tough part of our schedule we had a few tough games and um i think we started like one and four or one and three or something like that and um just weren't playing well we got blown out by by a team that um you know was a good team but shouldn't have beaten us the way they did um and i remember coming home that night and being like you know I, i'm over my head i you know i probably shouldn't have taken this job I'm, you know, you know, I'm just not, not doing what needs to be done. And, you know, they all talked me off the ledge, you know, my wife and kids, you know, kind of convinced me that, you know, you know how to coach and, you know, what's going on and it's going to get better. It's new and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, thankfully, you know, it, it turned around, we, we wound up having a great year. And, uh, you know, I think we won, went on to win like seven or eight straight games after that. Nice. But, um, but yeah, it's, they definitely, they definitely bleed into each other. Um, you know, and like I said, unfortunately, I think my, my family probably takes the, the worst of that. I mean, it's also, they, you know, that, that they're still going to be there at the end of the day. Right. Right. And then yeah, they, they love you. So if you, if you go off a little bit, like, yeah. you're still, you're still pretty comfortable where you are. Yeah. They probably can't fire me as quickly. as my job. <laughs> Yeah. They still got to deal. I mean, your kids can't go anywhere. Right. right exactly. Yeah. So, and with all that, you got a ton of stuff going on, the family, the business. And just to, before we jump into the final five questions, what is the one thing, like what is something that, what conversation should you be having if you're thinking about jumping into coaching high school or just coaching anything while trying to juggle it? With your family, you mean, as far as? Yeah, yeah. But let's just focus there since that seems yeah. to be the bigger. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say um, you have to have a very supportive family. Um, you know, first and foremost, it's it's – it, it, they're all in it, um, you know, regardless of, of whether they think they are or not, you're not, even if it's as simple as you're not going to be there um, for dinner or something like that. Um, yep. You know, I, I've been lucky where both of my daughters have been the team manager throughout their, you know, awesome. time in high school. Um, the last couple of years, my, my wife has, has done the, the video of our games. Um, so, um, you know, I think it's kind of been a little bit of a bonding for us in the long run. I think, um, you know, that you don't always get a chance to, it's part of the reason I accepted the job at OA too, because it's the same year I've been offered a, a different position, a different 
job at a different school. Yeah. Um, it kind of came down to um, being in Easton, um, having my kids at OA, um, and, you know, having them, you know, spending a little time on, on, on bus rides to road games with them and, and, you know, having that ability rather than, you know, if, if I was coaching somewhere else, I wouldn't see them for the spring, basically. Yes. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't be my managers. They wouldn't be taking those bus rides. So I'd be getting home later, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, it's been kind of, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a family, um, commitment. Um, it's yeah. not something that you can kind of just say, Hey, I'm going to do it and not kind of talk it through. Um, yeah. And you so, kind of integrated the two pieces together. Right. 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 So, you, so they have a little bit of the same thing with your kid, like the kids on the team, like everyone's got to buy in. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, everyone has to be on board with it. And, um, you know, it, it's, it certainly helps to, you know, definitely helps to have them around to, you know, during and after games. Cause you know, if, if you have a big win, you, you, you want to celebrate with your team and stuff, but you also, you know, you love having your family there to celebrate with too. Absolutely. Or, uh, vice versa. If it's a big loss, you know, don't necessarily want my team seeing me crying, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. You got to put on that face as the coach, right? right? Exactly. All right. So last coming up to the end. So every episode we run through five rapid, rapid fire questions. Yep. You can answer as long or as little as you want, but um, they're normally tailored to the guests. So um, we'll jump through them. Right. So number one, what is your favorite way to improve as a coach? And that could be reading video mentors, game field. What's your favorite way to keep improving? Um, I think it's probably just surrounding myself with, with people and talking to other coaches, um, uh, you know, getting ideas. Uh, I went to LaxCon last year, which was fun too. Um, got a lot of new drills out of that. Um, but um, I would say talking to like picking the brain of other coaches, I think more than anything. Um, I even go back to, you know, I'll, I'll reach out and talk to coaches I coached with 15, 16 years ago. And yep. um you know, if I remember reaching out to a coach that one of the coaches I coached with 15 years ago, a couple of years ago when we were having, uh, I can't remember what the exact problem was, but I was like, wow, I, I can't figure this out and called him. And I'm like, you know, what would you suggest for this? And he's like, Oh, what about that drill we used to do? You know, whatever. And I'm like, Oh, that's perfect for it. Yeah. Um, you know, we worked that and, you know, we've been instituting that a lot here and there, you know, since, since I talked to him, um, so, you know, I always say, like, surround yourself with, with people who are smarter than you, um, people yeah. who know more than you. Um, you know, I, I, I always like, like to find, you know, if, if I could bring in, you know, John Donowski to my staff, you know, obviously, you know, it'd be a great thing. Like, you know, for example, you know, you're a perfect example, too. Like, you, you probably have all sorts of ideas of, you know, things where, you know, if you, you know, said you were interested in coach I'm like absolutely you know yeah new ideas and and you know if you ever feel like you're you you stop learning I, I think it's time to get out like it's, yeah you know, <laughs> it's um, when it's over yeah I mean I I feel like I learn something new every year every day uh as far as lacrosse goes perfect all right I know we, we've talked about this one a little bit mm -hmm. but if you had to and you only got one way to do it so what do, what do you think is the best way to motivate high school players? Um, 
I would say, I think we talked about, like, we have talked about this a little bit. I think it's, it's getting them to buy in and, and, and believe in each other and the system and, and believe in you and, and believe in what you're doing. And, and, um, you know, it, it's, it, I, I, wins are fun, obviously, you know, it's a lot more fun to win. Um, but I think getting them to, to buy into a, like a, a family atmosphere and, you know, you're playing for each other and it, it and you're, you know, your brother, I always say your brothers during the season, like, you know, yep. it's, and I grew up with two brothers and you're not going to always get along and you're not going to always be happy with each other. But if, if, you know, at any point, if something's going wrong with, you know, my brother, I'm sticking up for him. And yep. that's Absolutely. how you gotta, that's how you kind of have to treat, um, I think a team where it's, you know, you, you may not necessarily be best friends with, with that kid you're playing with, but you know, if, if, if someone is, is doing something to him that, you know, someone did something to him that, um, you know, you don't agree with, I, I would expect you to stick up for him. Like, yeah, you know, it's, um, it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's a family. I, I think that's, I keep saying family, but I, I think that's the best way to describe this program right now. And the way we've, we've been, it's, it's, it's been, you know, it's been really cool how it, how it kind of developed that way. So. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Number three, what is the one, if you could take one thing back to when you first started or a coach just jumping into it, what's the one thing that you would tell them that they should be taking into it or wish that you had going into coaching? Um, I would say probably developing the relationship with the players. Right. Um, as far as like taking an interest, more of an interest to, with them outside of, of the lacrosse field. Um, you know, I, I think that's one of the things I, I kind of went into coaching with originally was, you know, I'm not your friend, you know, I'm your coach, yeah. um, you know, this is, you do what I say, that type of thing. Um, but, uh, like I said, I, I think the kids have changed. That doesn't work anymore if they think all you care about them is, is what's happening on the lacrosse field and what happens off the field, you don't care about them. It's, it's not going to work. It's not going to, you know, your team's not going to respect you. It's not going to play hard for you. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's something now that I've learned over the years that, you know, and, you know, it's, it, it makes it funner for me as well. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm not just going and coaching and going home. Like, yeah. You know, you see these kids, you know, being in the town, you run into them in town a lot. And, you know, I'd say one of the, one of the things that I love the most about that is I, I almost every one of those kids, if I run into a Shaw's or something like that, will come like, you know, walking over and get and shake my hand. Yeah. Not like, you know, you'd see them from the other side of the field. Uh, the store. They run away. They run away. <laughs> or they like just kind of give you a wave and head the other way or something like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, they come up to you, they shake your hand, say, Hey coach, uh, you know, that type of thing. So, um, you know, I, it's, I, I'd say that that, that the relationship thing is probably the, the biggest thing I've learned. All right. Now flipping it for, to the other side, what is, and I was going to go with, if you've got it, talking to the players 
what's one trait that they can use no matter who the coach is, what will make them kind of like more of an ideal player for coaches? I'd work. I would say that's probably, you know, if a kid gives me a hundred percent effort, um, I'll never complain. Um, it's, it's, I hate seeing wasted talent. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where if, if a kid is, is working hard and, and giving me his best, he may not be the best lacrosse player. He may not, you know, he may have just started, but as long as he's getting out there and he's working hard and giving it his best effort, um, I'm not going to ask for any more than that. Um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you, you can't, there's so few things in life that you can control. Yeah. Um, that there's no reason not to control the amount of effort you give something. Good. All right. Last one. So you're going to pick one factor. What is the, what is the one factor that can set that separates a good coach from a great coach? Um, I would say, I'd say caring about more than wins, right? Like, you know, I think, you know, I think anyone, most people who are coaching a high school sport have some sort of knowledge of coaching and, you know, some have more than others, obviously, and that type of thing. Um, but I think that if, if you have that knowledge and, and you worry about, you know, we've talked about it a lot today that, that caring about these kids off the field and, and what they're doing off the field. Um, you know, I, I think that's kind of the biggest thing I, I, I've said, and I think it makes, I don't know, I, th I think it makes them respect, respect the way you're coaching them. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where if, if they know that I would run through a wall for them, yep. they're going to run through a wall for me. You know, I think it's one of those things where, um, they know I have their back. They're going to have my back. Um, and they're going to work a little harder, um, to, to make things, you know, to, to try to, try to get better and try to, you know, uh, make me look better, I guess, as a coach. And, yeah. and they've done that because, you know, you know, we've, there's a lot of times and I'll be the first to admit that there's a probably hell of a lot of coaches out there that know way more than me about yeah. coaching lacrosse. Um, and I'm going to make mistakes and everyone's going to make mistakes. And, um, but they've made me kind of look like I probably know more than I do with, with the way they've played the last couple of years and, and what they've done. Thanks for listening to the show, everyone. This Spotlight series is a great change of pace for me. It's great to talk with Ben, and I look forward to the other coaches, players, and parents that I get to speak with about how they're navigating their career and seeing it from the lens of people who are in the process currently. If you have somebody you would like to see spotlighted, whether it's a coach, parent, player, executive, whoever it may be that you have in your local community, shoot me an email, hello at proathleteacademy.com, or send me a message on Instagram at proathleteacademy. Send me their name and a short reason why you believe they should be spotlighted, and we'll get as many of you all on the show as possible. Until then, keep working hard, keep having fun, and we'll talk soon.